Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to the Clark Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlands and I'm joined this morning by Matt Kendrick. Bright and early, 9.40am. We're doing this on Facebook Live as a, an exclusive episode. This will drop on Spotify and YouTube later today. Hopefully I'll have added some fancy graphics and stuff if I've pulled my finger out and done some work this afternoon. Uh, Matt, how are you this, this early morning? Have you had your breakfast? Have you had your coffee? Are you awake? Early morning. It's 18 minutes to 10, Dan. There's been people <laughs> who've been up since 5 o'clock keeping the wheels of commerce going. I'm all right, yeah. It's my first... Day back after a, after a week off, so I'm um, wading through emails. One of which was you. Uh, was it? You know, and the last the last one I was on was was post Fulham. So, you know, I think you only you only bring me in after the kind of really mediocre performances and defeats. But you know, it's a, a bright future on the horizon. We hope today we're going to do the 13 things that Unai Emery has on his Aston Villa to do list. Hopefully, I've given it a snappier title by the time I, I upload this later. But words to that effect. We did this when Stephen Gerrard took charge. Me and Pat Rowe did an episode. Uh, this was on the 23rd of February. Uh, so it wasn't when he took charge, but it was called The Five Things Stephen Gerrard Must Address to Stop Aston Villa's Declining Form. Um, do you want to have a guess at what, what a couple of those five things might have been? Because I can tell you now, Stephen Gerrard did not sort any of those five things. I don't know. Win more football matches? <laughs> I mean, effectively, that was in there. We had organised the defence, which didn't really work out. Sort the fullbacks, which was always a problem. The DM position, obviously playing a 4 through through with one holding midfield player clinical finishing which yeah didn't really work out and control games which god not controlled a game since Brentford away last week and that was the first one for a long long time so Stephen Gerrard kind of failed our, our to-do list that we created for him back in February so let's give Unai Emery a bigger to-do list of 13 things and see how many he can tick off over the next month two months three months can we make it easier for him then so that he's not failing like I don't know put, Just put a long thing of his Put a nice picture of his family next to his desk or, <laughs> do you know what I mean, match parked between the lines. Should we kick it off with the first one, one that you came up with so you can explain? Manage expectations. Now, what would you mean by that? I've criticised managers in the past for doing more to try and manage expectations and downplay expectations than for managing football teams. But they've tended to do that at points in their reign where they've started to struggle mm. and said, well, actually, this is my remit. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. When they've been start clutching and clinging for stuff. I think it needs to be made clear from day one. I don't know whether Christian Perslow will, will sit alongside him as he's unveiling. I should imagine he probably will do. But I think it needs to be needs to be made quite clear that Emery has been brought in. Yes, he wants to get us up the league. He wants to make sure that we're not looking over our shoulders at relegation. You know, that's got to be the immediate aim. But to almost try and encourage <laughs> us, the Client Blue podcast, the the Villa fans as a whole, just to tell us and convince us that this is a longer-term project and we're not going to see. Um, I mean, how many managers have we had, Dan? We've had about five managers in the last, probably since we got relegated. 
Emery's the tenth permanent manager since O'Neill left. So twelve years since O'Neill left, I think ten since Steve Bruce, Paul Lambert, um, Dean Smith had more than more than a year. Basically, the rest of them were all a year under. Yeah. So kind of averages out to basically one every season, which is you know, no surprises. We are where we are. So yeah, I think it's just that, just a warning that this is not going to be necessarily a quick fix, and that that we've got to try and allow this this new man to come in and build something. You know, his pedigree suggests that he is capable of doing it. I did fear for him a little bit when I looked down that CV and I see all these brilliant achievements and then I see Aston Villa <laughs> added to it and I'm thinking, I just hope, I just hope that he can give, be given space uh, mm. space and time and we need to see some encouragement obviously we, we can't can't have, have performances and results like particularly the second half at Newcastle at the weekend we've got to create an atmosphere that's conducive to a manager actually building something uh, mm. I said this before that the laboratory conditions sometimes at Villa Park can suffocate managers not and that's not an anti-Aston Villa thing it's just the fact that sometimes it's boom or bust isn't it Nobody, nobody, nobody releases a brochure that says, you know, stable consolidation and building gradually. It's not an attractive, sexy mm. way of yeah. going about things, but it's exactly what Aston Villa need to do at the moment. Realistic. I don't think he will come in and bluntly say, my only ambition is to keep Aston Villa in the Premier League. He's a, he's a guy who's used to kind of dine at the top table of European football. But mm. equally, I'm not sure he can come straight out and say, yes, I'm ready for my fifth Europa League in 18 months' time. <laughs> Emery arrives at a time when Aston Villa aren't necessarily that. They've got got owners with who are invested in financially and who invested emotionally. We we led to believe. So I don't think he needs to come and say, you know, I'm going to spend my next three or four years just kind of circling the plug hole and making sure we don't go down. But equally, I don't think Villa fans should think that we've got this elite manager, it's going to suddenly be like flicking a switch and we're suddenly mm. going to be brilliant. I think yeah. that's 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 as much for the board and the owners to do as it is for Emery to do, to be honest, in terms of managing those expectations. Right, let's move on to the next one. Um, we've called this one Big Team Meeting and I think Ash penned this one to kind of assess what's gone wrong so far. One of the first jobs that any new manager should do. And you would assume from the things you've heard about him kind of being really specific on details and stuff, he will watch every single Villa game back this season, which I assume is something that most new managers will do. Won't make for pretty viewing, will it, that watching all our games back in the next week or so? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> big team meeting. You, you'd hope he'd be doing that. <laughs> Most got, yeah, I've had to give each one like a bit of a catchy head and I couldn't think of anything else. You know, we've been doing that several times a week. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we hear, don't we, that he's meticulous. I think I read somewhere that some of his team briefings and his video viewings are, are so detailed that some of the players have fallen asleep. Did I read that mm. somewhere? Yeah, I've seen that uh, as well. So, obviously, um, our viewers and, and, and listeners will be able to uh, <laughs> be able to relate to that. Yeah, I think... It, it, obviously, he's got to get that group together straight away because, you know, I mean, I'm just trying to think the bulk of the group. How many How many have been there since year one of the Premier League? Probably about half a dozen. So he's just going to have to be quite clear from from day one what he expects. But, uh, you know, that's not an, an Emery thing, is it? That, that's no, any no, new no. manager yeah. having, to, having to assert their authority very quickly in a way that actually brings people along for the ride rather than alienates them. Um, mm. I've only seen little bits of clips that from what he's done previously and how he's faced the media. And he does, he, he seems like quite an engaging fella to me. 
uh, and his record speaks for itself in terms of the the way he's got clubs of a certain size outside the elite kind of, you know, punching above their weight, uh, which is exactly where Villa find themselves at the moment mm. because that top four, top six becomes all the more difficult to break into. There's a comment from James here that says... Um... You know, never mind being asleep in the in the analysis room. I've been asleep during matches at some point during the season, which yeah, it does feel like that. It's interesting the difference between between Gerard and, and Emery. If, if you were a player, sat in those meetings and having those team meetings and these analysis rooms and videos and stuff, because Gerard, if you were a player under Gerard, I'd be thinking, well, he he was a great player. I can learn things from a playing perspective, but you know, maybe I'd have my doubts over his coaching abilities because he's not been a coach for that long. Whereas it's the opposite with Emery that he's got this vast experience of, of coach of, of managing games. I think something like over nine hundred on, on the Villa State when they posted on loads of trophies. I'd be thinking, well, this guy, if I listen to him and take this in, it might be a long three hour meeting. But if I take in what I'm being told, I should improve as a player. And that's un- invaluable, isn't it? I do wonder whether players look at players in their position. So you know, the right-backs that Emery would have coached at Seville, Villa, Villarreal, Arsenal and stuff, and think, well, what did he, you know, if you're Matty Cash, what improvement did he make or how did he How did he want mm. his full-backs to play in that system? And I think you'd probably have a, have a look at it like that. What can he do for me? What can yeah. this manager, very selfish thing to say, but what can this manager do for me? What can he do for my game? And what do I need? Where do I need to meet him halfway for that mm. to happen? So... Listen, I, th- I think I think the I think the fellow will carry carry himself with with a gravitas for for what he's achieved. Um, you know, it's like I've heard these bits and pieces about him doing kind of Bielsa like sermons and all this kind of thing. But equally, he will know what players respond to what methods, or he will learn that quite quickly. And he will learn the ones that he can just show a thirty-second clip versus the ones that he has to give a four hundred a four hundred page dossier. dossier. Um, so I just think I think we've got to trust him, and it's a difficult thing for us to to do as Villa fans, given that we've had our hearts broken so many times, and we've seen the the grand statements and the grand unveilings, and we've been excited and we've been impressed, and there's been little glimmers along the way, but nobody, I said nobody. I mean, Dean Smith got us from halfway down the Championship to halfway up the Premier League, but the last twelve months have put us on the back foot a little bit now and made us a little bit. Okay, we'll support you, but you're going to have to earn it as well. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the next one called Backroom Team. There's been a lot of questions about whose backroom staff will be and how many coaches he'll bring with him. Uh, obviously, we had Guillaume Bailagay on the podcast last week who talks about a former European Cup winner being Emery's assistant manager, which kind of led social media to have a guess at is it John Terry? Is it Jabby Alonso? Is it an ex player? I feel like we've probably all kind of maybe fell for the for the wrong line there. And it's less about a, a former player and a former coach. There's talks over the weekend or social media rumours about, I'm going to pronounce this terribly, I would, I would suspect, Paco Oisteran, who's Rafa Benitez's assistant manager for 11 years. He won the European Cup with Liverpool as an assistant manager. He knows the Premier League because he was at Liverpool. Um, so those, those kind of dots link up there. And this comment is in here less about who he brings with him because, again, managers bring coaches with them. That's that's nothing that he needs people around him. But it's more about this one being in here for, for Aaron Danks, Austin McPhee, Neil Cutler. What happens to them going forward, do you think? Because they've survived Dean Smith being sacked. They've survived so far Stephen Gerrard being sacked. 
do you think they still have a future at Villa as a part of this backroom staff as almost like club appointments now that they will transition between managers regardless of who the main man is? I don't know. Is the honest answer. I think it's. Um, I think the the thing with. Um, I think Emery will be open minded enough to assess what's in front of him. I think he will. He will meet with with all of the staff and see whether he gets see whether he gets the, the buy-in from them. Really. And that's a bit of a bit of a waffly answer. But I think he like I say, I think he's he's bright enough from what I understand and, and open minded enough to, to have a look and, and, and not throw people out for the sake of it. You're right that the, the three that you mentioned do seem to be part of the furniture rather than part of the entourage, if you like, mm. or part of the part of the manager's manager's entourage. Um I mean, I've only seen I've only seen bits of Danks. I think he's handled himself pretty well. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, how many coaches did Gerard have in the end? About a dozen? Loads. I think it was Gerard plus five left, wasn't it? There was a couple of the names in that that list that had departed with him, I thought. Don't know that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It, it, it's one of those things that, other than when appointments are made, and other, when, other than when things times are particularly hard and things go really wrong, I don't think people care that much. No, no. Stuff. It's no. just when so and so, when a striker's missed forty-seven open goals, that the attacking coach suddenly isn't good enough for. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've seen seen McPhee, haven't we, coming for a lot of criticism when Villa have been a little bit shaky on defending set pieces, and it's those kind of things. I think when things are going well, it tends to be the manager and the players who get all the glory, and the mm-hmm. backroom staff are exactly that. They're in the background. Yeah. Do you want one of my crap analogies? Yeah, go on then. On Christmas Day, right? <laughs> I'm such a boring old man that on Chris, Christmas Day, what I tend to do is leave all my presents under the tree until the very last minute. So it might even be midnight, five to midnight really? on Christmas Day. I don't like opening my presents because they always look better in the wrapper. They always look better when they're wrapped up. You don't know what they're going to be. It could be anything. Do you know what I mean? It could be the secret to eternal life. You know, <laughs> but when you unwrap them, it's deodorant or socks. And I feel I'm in that state of mind with Unai Emery at the moment that he looks really, really brilliant, all wrapped up. Do you know what I mean? But you don't want to see him manage a game in case it all falls apart. Yeah, the possibilities are endless at the moment. But as soon as 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 he starts (laughs) managing Aston Villa, you know, what's he going to be? Is he going to be a pair of boring socks or is he going to be the brilliant little B.A. Barakas doll that I had when I was (laughs) six? Do you know what I mean? I just hope it's B.A. Barakas. Good. Thank you for that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next one, wipe the slate clean. Again, I think this is one of yours, your ones. Is this in regard to players that may not be featuring at the moment that everyone gets a fresh fresh start now? Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't call it trolling, but I replied to um, a Frederick Gilbert message on Twitter last night when he, he put a picture of, I think it was him and his other half um, in Halloween gear. And I rather put, put a pithy statement on there saying, aren't you bored of knocking on doors? Um <laughs> <laughs> which it got a bit, it got about the it got the amount of likes that it deserved about a dozen, which was probably a bit bit too enthusiastic from Twitter. But this hymn isn't there. These these Gilbert 
Gilbert, these Sanson. I mean, you you tell me. Go go through them. There must be another two or three. Akamba, yeah, that's probably it. I mean, to a lesser extent, alone. Yeah, yeah, players out alone. To a lesser extent, we'll come on to him a bit. Even someone like Wendia, who's I think played fifty-one games now and, and only started twenty-five or twenty-six, and you just think, you know, in other in other sides, Wendia starts fifty games, uh, you know, not not half of those. So again, not kind of a cycling for him in terms of someone like Sanson or Nakamba who are nowhere near it. But yeah, to a lesser extent, someone who's semi on the fringes that maybe deserves deserves to start more. We've talked about Sanson and Gilbert before, who have not been fancy now by two managers in Smith and Gerrard. So is that a Sanson and Gilbert problem rather than a manager's? That's for Emery to decide, isn't it, I guess? Listening to the um, the excellent podcast that John did with Willem Balagay um, last week, him saying that, you know, it doesn't have to be, a rich, he, he doesn't have to be a 4-4-2 man or a, mm. you know, a 4-2-3-1 man or whatever. You know, he can be, he's a horses for courses manager who can, who's tactically astute enough to, to evolve during games and to make decisions mid-game. And if that is the case... I've got no reason to, to to doubt doubt it. If that is the case, then he needs to have a look at that squad as a whole because mm-hmm. he needs to know. It might be that you know Matty Cash is the perfect right back in a perfect you know in a particular system. But if he needs to change mid game for whatever reason, I'm not saying listen, Gilbert might not be of the level, but he you know he needs to have a look at him. He needs to see where he see yeah. where where the guy's head at heads at. He needs to see that he's motivated. And invested to be able to almost have those three or four or five or six moving game plans in his own mind. You know, Villa have got a, a squad of probably well, they've got a squad of twenty five at least senior professionals, and then they've got another half a dozen, you know, younger players, and, and a lot of them out on, on loan. The first thing Emery will do surely is try and sit down, or him and his staff will sit down with all of them, 30 players there, and just try and get get a sense of whether they're bought into what he's saying. Paul says, will he appoint a different captain? Paul the dog there, <laughs> with that Facebook profile picture. Uh, and that leads into our next two, which I'm going to combine because we're running out of time. Uh, nail his own leadership group and captaincy call. Now, obviously, there's a lot of talk about the captaincy um, over the summer, a lot of talk about a leadership group. Ashley Young, Gemi Martinez, Tara Mings, Dan Ings, I think possibly John McGinn, this kind of group of players, senior players that are asked their thoughts on whatever as a group or however you want to put it. And then a, a club captain, a vice captain and whatever else. And a big, big talking point in the summer with Gerard changing it from, from Mings to McGinn. McGinn now not being in the team, being dropped, being subbed off in, in the end of Gerard's era as well. And again, this was a, a problem that Gerard kind of made for himself. If he had kept Tara Mings captain, it, I think it would have saved a lot of heartache, to be honest, and a lot of stress, a lot of questions from journalists, a lot of talking points. What did Emery do? Does he keep it as as is for the rest of the season? Does he keep it as is till January? Or does he instantly come in and have a chat, like you said, with with, with everybody there and say, right, now I'm going to put my stamp on things. I'm changing it again. I think the leadership group probably remains the same, I would have thought, because they've been selected for a reason that the the senior senior professionals obviously got, got big voices. Um, you know, whether he, he adds to it, I don't know. Um it's a really awkward one. I mean, Gerard, to be fair, kept the captain he inherited, didn't he? Uh, I, think yeah, he yeah. I think even when he even when he took over, there was a little bit. I'm doing this for now, but it might not be forever, kind of thing. So he did sow the seeds of it then. Mm. Um, I think the first the first 
point of order really needs to be that your captain pretty much has to start every week. Uh, and if you can finish every week as well and stay on the pitch for the for the length of the game, I think that that's a big thing. I'm not sure that he needs to make that decision straight away. He definitely doesn't need to make it if he's not going to play John McGinn because yeah. he won't be playing anyway. So he can, if, he, if he knows John McGinn is not in his starting lineup for the first, even the first three games of this World Cup break, he can get away with at least not naming it until the turn of the year. You know, as silly as it sounds, I don't think that he'll think that's his most important decision. No, I it's not, is it? I think he's got a lot more a lot more things to sort before that. Mm. Um I think as long as it's as long as it's handled well. I mean I, I saw some quotes from Mings at the weekend saying it did affect me, it did upset me, and I'm actually proud at how I've dealt with it and and, and how I've bounced back. Uh and that will be the same if McGinn, if it's taken away from McGinn, McGinn must have been really proud to have got that captaincy and must have been thinking, yes, I can lead this team and lead this team to good things. Mm. So I don't think McGinn necessarily is the right person to, to captain Villa. Um, I think that, like you say, Martinez could do it. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with Mings doing it, but I think there's bigger, bigger issues for him to sort. Instill confidence was the next on the list. How on earth do you do that? As a manager, how do you get players to become confident? Good question, isn't it? Confidence goals. comes from winning. <laughs> confidence comes from scoring goals and winning games, and you can't just switch that on straight away. So, how do you get them to to feel better about themselves? It's a difficult one, mate. I mean, I've I've managed you in the past, Danny. How confident are you? Pretty confident, yeah. I think. <laughs> Pay rise. <laughs> I think it's just, and this is this is probably a very kind of sentimental way of looking at it. It probably is reminding some of the players, you know, get getting those um, technical editing wizards uh, in the analytical team to start putting well, Leon Bailey's probably got his own editing team anyway to stick his <laughs> show reel together. But you know what I mean? Just saying, you know, pulling Jacob Ramsey to one side and saying, listen, you're a lad who's been playing in the Premier League for two years. Look what you've already achieved. Look what we... Mm. It's obvious, isn't it? To me, I'm not sure that, that Emery would go go about it or managers do go about it, but it's like, okay, open door policy. Come and see me. Any problems, let's talk about them. Let's see what support we can give you. But you're going to have to find the answers yourself to a degree mm. uh, and just reminding them of the good things, basically. Like, that, that sounds a little bit, I don't know, a little bit TED Talk, I suppose. Um, no, but like, you know, someone like Ollie Watkins who's struggling in front of goal, you can put a kind of goal compilation together, go, look at all these great finishes you did, like, <laughs> just do more of that. You scored a hat-trick against the champions of England a couple of, a couple of seasons ago, like, you've got it in your locker to do these these things. You just need to find it within yourself to, to go back to that kind of happy place and once you score a couple, you'll, you'll feel better and kind of go again kind of thing. Um, but it is a difficult task to just to kind of switch people on, but, you know, beat Man United on Sunday, for example, and that that will change things. Let's move on. Coutinho conundrum. Uh, we talked a lot about Philippe Coutinho over the last 12 months or so. Um, when he first joined, I think we all, or most of us kind of fell for the, the hype of, the, you know, the ex-140 million pound man, the relationship between Gerard and Coutinho on the pitch as players at Liverpool. Gerard kind of hoping to rekindle some form as his mentor now as manager. 
and having some good spells and just certainly some good games and some good moments for us. And then the conversation since then of, I think, one goal contribution in 16 was the first time we saw it. And then it's one goal contribution in 18 and then 20 and 21 or whatever we're up to now. And he's not played the last couple of games with Danks in charge, not started at least anyway. Gerard's gone now and we've spoken about like, well, if Gerard and Coutinho are supposed to rekindle this relationship and Gerard is the, the man who's going to get something out of Coutinho and get him purring again and even he's not able to do it, where does that leave Coutinho now and, and where does that leave Aston Villa who have, yeah, we've kind of said, oh, 17 million for Coutinho, that's, that's a bit of a no-brainer really. But we've now got this player on high wages who's underperforming and lost the relationship with the manager that signed him and the manager is no longer there anyway. So what happens with Coutinho now? I refer the honourable gentleman back to one of the earlier uh, items in the in-tray, which was give people a, a fresh light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And give you know what I mean? Confident. He's, he's a or has been a world-class player. You know, I was saying last year, shows what a poor judge I am. Well, I can only say what I see. I was declaring my undying love for him at times last season, Coutinho, some of the things that he did, some of the, the brilliant moments that he did. So that is still in him. You know, he's not he's not 38. Mm. Uh, he's not Ashley Young's age. <laughs> um, what is he, 30 now? I think 30 or 31, yeah. He's 30. So I heard some comments from Jamie Carragher the other day saying that he, he wonders if the Premier League is too physical and too fast and too strong for him. Now, it shouldn't be. Well, he's no different really. in physicality that he was at Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? It's not like he was a bulky big player back then and he's lost yeah. a load of weight in the last six years and he's now this skinny little thing. He's the same player physically that he was at Liverpool and it, it wasn't too much for him then. So I'm not sure physicality is the problem. I think the thing that hopefully Coutinho will benefit from, um, and I don't think this was quite done deliberately by Gerard, but it certainly seemed to be, certainly came across as as favouritism, I thought, towards mm. Coutinho, who tended to, he could get back in the team, back in the starting lineup, regardless of what he'd given in the previous 60 or 70 minutes of the previous game. Whereas Buendia would struggle, even though he'd come on an impact game to the last 20, 25 minutes, would struggle to, to, to nail down a starting place. That won't exist anymore. I know Gerard towards the end did start dropping or resting Coutinho, but those two start exactly level mm. now. I think, with a new manager. And Coutinho's in a really strange place at the moment. Listen, he could retire tomorrow and become, you know, and be a very wealthy man and be very proud of what he's achieved through in his, his career. But he hasn't got to that stage in his career by not having to overcome hurdles and challenges and, and, and by quitting when the going, got, going gets tough. So I think, again, it depends how hands-on Emery and his coaches are. Can they get into the head of, of Coutinho and... Just rediscover what makes him tick. I think it's I think it's unfair for us to to write him off so quickly now when we're all gushing about him. Mm. Um, you know, as recently as six months ago, perhaps. Yeah. So I I think there's an opportunity there for him. Uh if he doesn't grasp it, I think it's I don't know, it goes down as a really frustrating footnote because everybody's saying that well, not everybody, but lots of people saying that Unai Emery probably, since Gerard, Gerard Julia, I mean, um, probably the, the most elite level coach that we've been able to attract. Now, mm. Coutinho is probably the most elite level player that we've been able to attract. Give the guy a chance. And, you know, if, if Emery can start making him tick and he can make Aston Villa tick, 
you know that's that's already a big a big green tick in the in the new manager's uh, box, so mm. to speak. Now the next one on the list, funny enough, was the the Little Warrior, which obviously refers to, to Buendia. We spoke in the last episode that we did of who kind of benefits most from Unai Emery in terms of maybe fitting in the system or whatever. Now, I don't know whether Buendia fits in Emery's system perfectly, whether that's his kind of player. I'm not so sure. I would suspect yes with kind of his work rate and stuff. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see if that is the case. But Buendia is the one player I want to see the biggest kind of turnaround from. Again, not quite make or break for Buendia, but another new manager to, to impress now. Signed under Dean Smith, wasn't he? To replace Jack Grealish. Gets not a great chance from him with, with Smith being sacked. Gerard again, doesn't really get a chance under him because he favours Coutinho. So now he's almost got a bit of this fresh start to come in and, and impress another manager. And I want to see Buendia feature and start most games to be honest he's the one that I'm most looking forward to seeing kind of progress over the next year or two to have a flair player with that competitive willingness to graft and to battle and to put himself about for, for a little fella he's he's brilliant it frustrates the hell out of me really that we've not been able to unleash somebody who was an absolute superstar in a relegation season again it won't be for the one to try he wants to be the absolute best version of himself you can see that you can see how frustrated he gets when things don't quite go quite right for him. You can see the joy that he takes when things do go right for him. Unai Emery, yes, Villa have activated his release clause, his buyout clause or whatever, and then they've given him a fantastic salary. He must have been excited enough about this project to leave what he's doing, to come and join an Aston Villa team that is, you know, always on the brink of triumph or disaster, most, mm. most regularly disaster. He must have had faith in looking down that squad list of players and seeing the likes of Buendia and Coutinho and Watkins and Ings and Mings. and don't need to go through the whole squad. But he must have thought there's enough there mm. to work with. Um, and I think Buendia fits slap bang into that for me, that there's so much unfulfilled potential. There's probably, couple, there's probably half a dozen players who might have reached their level. And we'll have to be moved on in the next yeah, for sure. six to 12 months. But there's a hell of a lot of players who haven't reached their level or haven't reached it anywhere near consistently enough. Yeah. I think Wendell almost epitomises that for me. So I think he'll be the one who, you know, I don't think Emery will have to ask him twice if he's invested in this project because I think he'll show every day in training that he is. And then mm. he talks to the manager and his coaching staff to try and convert that onto the pitch every week. I'm going to combine our last two um, into one because they're kind of, they both go without saying really. <laughs> so the first one is cut out mistakes slash conceding goals so softly. And the second one is Ings, Watkins or both slash score more goals, which is a very kind of basic, obvious thing for a manager to do, stop conceding and start scoring. But it's the basics that really need to get right. It's the basics that Unai Emery needs to get right. And not I don't mean that in the sense that just go back to basics, get a clean sheet and be really hard to beat and be boring and be horrible defensive football. But just start doing the basic things right. Stop being so soft. We spoke on the last podcast, and I mentioned it to you on, on social media. I tagged you in a tweet of a, a clip we did when we first started the podcast saying that Villa had got a soft underbelly. Listen, it wasn't, we weren't playing a brilliant Olay football, but we were playing reasonably well against Bournemouth yeah. at home. 
should have got something from that game. Palace. Against Burnley at home, should have won that. Palace should have picked up it. Arsenal. But, so these games where Liverpool. they've been, been competitive, but they're just too fragile. They're mm. just too... They've got such a soft underbelly, to be honest, which is great if you're a puppy. <laughs> Not so great... <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about your dog. It's great if you're a puppy. It's not great if you're a Premier League footballer. <laughs> Premier League footballer. And that was three years ago. I think it was December 2019. We were on like episode five or six of the podcast. We'd just been promoted with a manager who'd not had any Premier League experience. We'd signed a lot of players. We were in a relegation battle and, and you know, finishing 17th would have been a success. And it, it was a success. And, and that's what we did. But that's three years ago. We should have moved on a lot, a lot since then. We spent a lot of money since then, and having a soft underbelly and being so weak that you concede and then instantly concede again. And we've done that a couple of times this season already. Villa should be better than that. Yeah, I went to um, I went to watch my son's team play yesterday uh, over Hagley Way, and uh, got up, they not me, not me they they got absolutely hammered, uh, and you could just see the confidence drain out of them after every goal that was conceded. Uh, and probably forgivable uh, in a, a you know a group of teenagers who are becoming young men and still trying to learn the way in life and learn the way about the game. Uh, it's less forgivable with a professional football team, you know, mm. who don't seem to cope well in moments of adversity. Uh, and listen, there will be examples where that that's complete nonsense. What I've just said, and there'll be times when we've fought back and we've grabbed a point or whatever, or we've we've battled against the odds and got something out of games. But more often than not. When things go wrong, they start to snowball and go go spectacularly wrong. Mm. Um, and yeah, it is it is um, it is a, a mentality thing, and it's it's trusting it's trusting their own ability, and it's trusting the people around them, um, trusting the teammates, and that's one of the biggest things for the manager to do. And that that's at both ends of the pitch. That's at, at the middle of the pitch, and that's what that comes down to: instilling confidence and. Even when things are going against you, having the belief in your ability and having the trust in your teammates to to find a way, to find a way to win games, to find a way to not lose games. Um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Just as uh, a two-part, I'd be better defensively and be better going forward. As like I said, when I first mentioned it to you, I think you were typing away. It's a very obvious thing. It's a very stupid thing to say. Football manager must make football team stop, stop conceding and start scoring. But it's the basics that Villa haven't been getting right for ages. And you know, if we start seeing Uno Emery just get the basics right and Villa look more sharp and more streetwise. And Ollie Watkins managed to manage just to score one of the four chances he might get in the game, but we win 1-0. I'll be happy with that. That's progress for me. It is, isn't it? It's, it's, it's big moments as well, isn't it? You know, it's starting the obvious again, but it's, it's big moments at, 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 at both ends. Um, you know, some of the goals that we conceded again at, at the weekend were just bad, <laughs> bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just on the forwards quickly. You know what kind of best best system they're working. Whether it's still Ings up front and Watkins off the left, whether Watkins will go back to being the main man. Cameron Archer. I mean, Emery gave a lot of young players a chance at Arsenal. Uh, I think he signed Martinelli and Saliba, who obviously are doing really well for them now. A few years later, gave chances to Smith Rowe and Saka and whoever else who again are still still around the, the Arsenal first team now, who are top of the league. Cameron Archer might finally be getting his chance under under a new manager. I think so. I mean, obviously backfired at, at, at the weekend, but we've had this debate, haven't we? All managers have had this dilemma. Um, Gerard certainly has in the last. 12 months, how to get those four attacking players in the same team 
Danks managed it for for, for one game only. Uh, but was wise about it. Was was brave enough to to leave out McGinn and, and, yeah, and Ramsey yeah. and play, you know, his best two defensive midfielders and stuff like that. I think I think Emery, he's no mug, is he? I, I don't think he will. You know, I don't I don't think he will be bothered by reputations particularly. I think he will say, okay. I need an efficient system for this particular game. You know that I value you because I've told you, I've shown you, you've had opportunities. But for this particular game, I'm going to move you away. You're not mm. going to start this game because this is the this is the team I've got to select. And I think with Gerard being a rookie manager, it's difficult because you you, you may think that sometimes, well, I might have lost you for good if I leave you out of this one. I might not be able to get you back. I'd like to think that Emery's got enough miles on the clock that he can manage a situation that says. Mm. Listen, <laughs> this isn't one match. You're still valuable to me. Yeah. You know, you can help me. You can help us win this game, even by not being involved in this game, by just having faith in me. I think. I mean, the question was Cameron Archer. Yes, Cameron Archer goes back to that that one clean slate for everybody. Judge everybody on their own merits. You know, yes, he might watch twelve months worth of VHS tapes to find <laughs> out uh, who's been doing what on the training ground and on the. On, on match days, but equally just looking and working and, and speaking and just managing, basically. Mm. Just yeah. managing and just getting people to to believe in him, really. Yeah, that's our, our list uh, of, of 13 things. It's actually only 12 because the 13th I'm going to give to you in a sec. But the list is, <laughs> these, these titles might change when I come to edit this. Manage expectations, big team meeting, brackets, what's gone wrong so far. Backroom team, wipe the slate clean, now his own leadership group, captaincy core, instill confidence, discover an identity, Coutinho conundrum, the little warrior, cut out mistakes, slash conceding goals so softly, Ings, Watkins or both, slash score more goals. And the last one that you wrote down on your list that you actually did some homework when I said, can we get some points together? Point number six on the piece of paper that you physically wrote down. Do you want to read it out? Subscribe, Subscribe to the Blue. Yeah, you said you don't care about the rest of the things. As long as you know, we subscribe to Carton Blue, you'll be a happy man. Can you imagine him battering us in the comments every week <laughs> saying you don't know what you're doing? Well, there'll be somebody that watches this back who creates a YouTube account called Uno Emery and they'll be battering us in every podcast now and we can flash it up on screen. That'd be quite funny. But yeah, the last thing is a message to people watching as well. Subscribe to Carton Blue. Not so much for Uno Emery, although maybe you'll learn some more English from our podcast as well. You'll learn some crap analogies and he'll be starting talking about Christmas presents in the dressing room because he's seen you on a podcast. I think he'd go backwards, mate, if he's tried try to learn English from us. <laughs> yeah, there's a list then of 13 things on Unai Emery's Aston Villa to-do list. Um, you know, some of those are things he needs to sort out ASAP. Some are more longer-term projects, but hopefully he's here for the long term to actually install some of those things at the club. Uh, Matt, thanks very much for your time. I can hear your WhatsApp pinging off left, right and centre, so get on to your next meetings. I know you're very busy this morning. Just before I go, uh, I've, I've stalled my meeting slightly, but just before I go, did we do the... The ones you've just read out there, do you something about identity? Did we even touch on that? Oh, did we not do that one? <laughs> I'm just thinking for the purposes of your, uh, your titles. <laughs> yeah, we might not have done that one. Discover an identity. I mean, it goes that yeah. same, doesn't it? Discuss dot dot dot. <laughs> yeah, work out what you want to do, do it. <laughs> that, that is what we mean by identity. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've talked about identity a lot in the in the podcast over the last few weeks. What are Aston Villa moving forward, and if we can sit here in twelve months' time and go right, this is what an Unai Emery side looks like. He'll have 
given us an identity in some respect, whether that's counter-attacking football or being defensive and having a deep line or, or whatever it is, possession football. I'd like to sit here in six, 12 months' time and go, okay, right, that is what Villa do now. That's what I mean by identity. Um, but yeah, that's that one ticked off. I'm not sure whether we did mention it or not, but yeah, that'll do. Uh, Matt, thanks for your time. Thanks for flagging me up on that one. Thanks for the uh, Facebook comments for getting involved as always and uh, sticking with us throughout this show. I'll edit this down and tidy it up for the YouTube version because I think we've probably been a bit all over the place at times. I've done uh, a couple that... of shout-outs. Uh, a couple of shout-outs as well. Go on then, get them done. Yeah, Kathy and Graham, who <laughs> apparently were in Australia with Ash and Ash name-checked absolutely everybody else amongst the travelling party, except Cathy and Graham. Uh, so I saw Cathy and Graham at an event in Starbridge last week. So much love to them. Uh, also at that event was a fellow called Charles, who came over and said, um, thanks for the podcast. He loves it. When he's travelling around the country, he's listening to it and he's making the making the journey fly by and his wife's sitting next to him in the in the passenger seat with some something else in her headphones <laughs> to block it all out. Um that was Charles. And the other one was a fellow yesterday at my son's match from the opposition after they'd given us a, a proper old drubbing, came over and said, you're not done the podcast last night. I was like, listen, mate, my son's team has just been heavily beaten. I don't really want to, didn't really want to be talking about my team being being heavily beaten as well. Uh, but a fellow called Nick, um, so he was a he was nice. a nice guy as well. So that's all the, uh, all the uh, admin done. Do we do... Mentioned for Claret Blue Live as well. Yeah, you, you've announced it, haven't you? On... We've, anna- we've announced it on Twitter, but we haven't a- announced it on the podcast anyway yet. So Claret Blue Live is officially all confirmed now. Um, the tickets are free, but you have to buy them um, on, on a website. I'll put the link down below for that on the YouTube comments and, and whatever else on social media. The capacity at the venue, which is the Aston Inn, is technically 150. So I've put tickets to like 135 or 140 to allow some wiggle room because I don't want to breach health and safety restrictions and all these kind of things. The amount of paperwork I've had to do over the last week, by the way, is a joke. But the tickets for that will go on sale on Tuesday night. Um, we'll tweet about it. We'll post it wherever you can get it. Uh, it's the Aston Inn. It's November the 18th. Doors open 6, uh, 6 p.m. The show will start, I believe, at 6.30 if everybody's there. If not, we'll push it back a bit. We'll be doing a live podcast. You... Uh, Matt, me, Ash and John doing a, a four-way podcast, uh, like a mid-season review. Obviously, the uh, the Qatar World Cup break will be happening then. We'll play Brighton on this Sunday, and this is the Friday following that. And uh, then we'll do a Q&A with the people that are there. We'll do a raffle as well. I've got some prizes lined up already, and I've, I've been um, messaging various companies for prizes. So if anyone's watching this on the podcast and you've got something that you want to give away, hit me up, send me a message, and we can work something out. Uh, the money raised from that raffle will go to the Villa Foundation and Acorns, which is where we're putting our money for the half marathon that we're doing next year as well. So there'll be a link with all the information down below on this podcast and on our Twitter page. Like I said, tickets are available Tuesday evening, probably 7pm, um, but I'll confirm that in the next in the next day or so. Um, be exciting. Should be good, shouldn't it? It is exciting, actually, yeah. I'm just trying to think what, the, what I normally drink there. It's your buying everyone else a beer, isn't it? I was about to say, if people come oh. up and buy you a beer, but are you putting some money behind the bar or anything? start that one, mate, honestly. <laughs> I'm skint, just had a half turn. Um, so yeah, that's the information for Claret Blue Live. Like I said, there'll be a link down below that you can go and find all the information that you need. So um, yeah, we'd love it if you can get involved and come and say hello. Uh, yeah, should be good fun. Matt, thank you very much for your time on this podcast as always. I know you've got to get off. I've also got to get off uh, as well. So I'm going to wrap this up now. Uh, thanks everyone for watching. Leave a, uh, a like on the YouTube video. Subscribe if you're watching in Emory uh, and leave a comment down below as well. Uh, thank you very much for watching and we'll be back in a couple of days.
Cheers, everyone. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.